0: You ready? I am I was born ready. Ugh. Is that, has that been said before by someone? By you. Every time I say, are you ready? <laughs> no way. Yeah. Are you joking? You say it a lot. <laughs> God, I could swear that's the first time I've ever said it. Hello and welcome to The Ornithology Presents... The Cruise Cast.
1: I'm Ben Heighton. And I'm Alex Bellardi. And this week we watched Rain Man, the 1988 Oscar-winning movie from director Barry Levinson.
0: Oscar movie. Now, in season one of The Ornithology Ben... Yeah. What, what was the actor that we were reviewing? Uh, Rob Schneider. No. Wrong. Guess again.
1: Arnold Palmer. Closer... But very wrong, still. Arnold
0: Braunschweiger, the famous comedian. Exactly. Bang on. And um, he did he ever get close, anywhere near a whiff no.
1: of the Oscars? I mean, certainly not as an actor. But yes, it's an interesting question. I don't think any film that he ever featured in really came close to any serious Oscars other than technical awards.
0: Do you think that they were... Yeah, technical awards, yes, right? Like, uh, oh, Terminator, yeah, right? Terminator, Terminator, Predator, yeah, yeah, right. But, but they're not, he was, he's never in what we would consider an Oscar movie, yeah, right? So, the top categories we're talking about are director, writer, um, screenplay, picture, uh, and any of the major, you know, actors and supporting actors, right? Yeah, actors and actresses. So, so Tom Cruise, well, so, so early in his career, in a big Oscar movie, he yeah. was not nominated,
1: but, right. um, after you know a lot of trepidation, this film had a, a pretty rocky road to the big screen. Directors came and went, including Steven Spielberg, your favorite, Sidney Pollack. He basically handed the keys over to Barry Levinson and said, I'm, I think you should do this film. Really? And it was a, it was a film that a lot of studios they didn't really get. They didn't see how this was going to be a good film, let alone a film that people would want to see. Right. And not just studios. Dustin Hoffman himself asked Barry Levinson a couple of weeks into filming to be released because he thought he was doing the worst work of his career.
0: Oh, no way. Why?
1: And he went on to get a Best Actor Oscar. Now, we'll come back to awards and such when we get to numbers. Mm. Um, Rain Man, for those who haven't seen it, and I think we should just say up front, because this isn't a plot-driven film particularly, but there are some third-act revelations that might spoil it for you.
0: That's true, but it's it's a character-driven film.
1: Yes, uh, but I think we should just say so that we can get into what the film really means to us and what it's about. We're probably going to spoil a lot of it, so if you haven't seen it, I think it's safe to say it's absolutely a film that you should see, whether you're going to like it or not.
0: Yeah, it's a strong urging to see it. Yeah, and and actually, you know, a spoiler claxon right up top would, exactly. would be helpful. Right? Exactly.
1: Sound the oldie spoiler claxon. But this is a film about a character called Charlie Babbitt, played by Tom Cruise, who uh, upon the death of his estranged father and finding out what he's going to get, but more importantly, what he's not going to get in the will reading, learns that he has a brother that he never knew about, who is in uh, a hospital for the mentally challenged. Mm -hmm. And he goes to find him, and this is Raymond Babbitt, played by Dustin Hoffman, and what starts out as um, a scheme, almost, on, on Charlie Babbitt's part to get his share of the $3 million that have been left in trust yeah, to his so, brother so, that he never so knew about.
0: Not as much of an arsehole as we've seen him being. If he was really an arsehole in the previous, as much as in the previous movies, he would say, I want it all. Like, uh, But he's at well, least, okay. he's right. got some integrity saying, I'll ha- I want my share. So we're seeing a little bit more integrity in terms of the characters that he's playing.
1: Okay, but I think in terms of the sense of entitlement, there's certainly shades of... Still a
0: butthole. color of money (laughs) and
1: cocktail, yeah. Exactly. Uh, But he almost kidnaps, and the word is brought up a couple of times, Dustin Hoffman's character. He he takes him away, basically as a ruse to negotiate for his share of the money, but Mm. along the way, learns a lot about himself and about his brother. I, I, I just have to say up top, it's going to be difficult for me to talk about parts of this film simply because, <laughs> for reasons that I can't even fully articulate, I was profoundly moved by this film. Good. A, and, and it's not as a it, film as it should be, yeah. that tugs at your heartstrings no, with sentimentality no. No, or no. manipulation. It's just such a beautifully judged uh, character piece, not mm. just by Dustin Hoffman. And I would say, uh, not even predominantly by Dustin Hoffman.
0: I think Tom Cruise in this film is phenomenal, yeah, I, I agreed, and to uh, you know one our strap line that you know we keep trying to for, for the for the podcast we keep trying to change on Facebook is every movie of select iconic actors that changed modern cinema, watched, discussed film by film in order and we put in there iconic actors that have changed modern cinema so it doesn't necessarily mean that we like them necessarily but that's one of the criteria for for picking them or that they're necessarily good but there's no argument that um Tom Cruise is good uh, you know his acting ability we've said like right from the beginning is right it's there there's no argument about that again whether you like him or not that's in that's irrelevant to yeah, the quality that he brings, and in the, within the first two minutes of watching this, I I'm already happy and settled in in a way that I never felt anywhere close to watching Cocktail. Yeah, and just the the way he turns around and talks to Lenny in that opening, um, telephone scene where they're on the phone and they're doing their sales stuff.
1: Yeah, so he's a kind of a a high a high level hustler. He's he's yeah. come upon these supercars that he's trying to shift yeah in a
0: a slightly underhand manner right it doesn't feel like it's legit anyway but they don't make a big deal about that and i'm saying to myself already this is a masterpiece this is this is great and the same way i felt about the beginning of color of money just like you're settled in you know you're in good hands
1: yeah yeah it's the confidence of a of a smart director putting you at ease straight away Plus a great script. I mean, the
0: dialogue in this is fantastic,
1: really amazing. Yeah, so amazing. Uh, and, it, it's and it, again, so it's real. It, one of those sort of wonderful happy accidents where so many people had a hand in it. You know, Dustin Hoffman had a lot of misgivings about you know, changing the the nature of even the characters. Right. Um, I, I don't know what word to use.
0: Disorder sounds too cruel. But yeah. So condition is is the fine, more the most good. neutral term, or even experience. You could yeah. say, you know, like I meant you know, I mean, something we all say is that we want to treat this with care. Mental health is important to both Ben and I. And we don't, I, I certainly don't want to um, make light of, of the conditions that are presented in this, in this film. Um, but at the same time, it's dealt with real sensitivity and at times humour. And yeah. the way that, the way that they show that, okay, here's somebody who is, Many many regards, socially inept the Rainman character the yeah. Raymond character and doesn't have the skills to relate and that that's one of the definitions of, of autism and yet what they're showing in this is well absolutely yes there is a relation there is the ability to relate there's ability to form connections albeit in his own very particular way and the jokes come out I mean and that's that's something that's peculiar to that that to that condition and specific to that condition is that. Joking and humour is is at times absent or very far away from the person's cognition.
1: But yes, it gives way to absurdist situations, right, which right. are inherently humorous to yeah. to anyone looking in. And you know, yeah. I have a friend who worked for many years as a, a care worker, mm. and he said part of the joy of the work, as as difficult and as painful as it is mm. sometimes, is you would sit around for an hour laughing, not yeah. at the people that you're working with, but yeah, with them. with, yeah. They're learning humour yeah. by the fact that you're laughing. Yeah. Um. And one of the most beautiful moments in this film, yeah. towards the end, yeah. is with the maple syrup. Yeah, <laughs> it is. And, and Dust, Dustin Hoffman laughs. He doesn't laugh very yeah. much in this film at all because of his social awkwardness. But he does a, a really genuine laugh, And he says, Charlie Babbitt made a joke. Yeah. What's so difficult in defining the the magic of this film. (laughs) Magic is the word. Is that it's it's completely unshowy. It's completely unflashy. It doesn't have the Forrest Gump style piano and strings telling you to feel something. It doesn't need it. It doesn't need it. It just completely pulls you into the reality of these two characters. So that a simple moment like that, a very human gesture, but a very... Something that you and I would never, ever comment or ever think about if we did it to one another. Yeah, no. It's actually so important in the growth of both of these characters. That is... I, and I use the word magic deliberately. It's something yeah. so intangible and it's yeah. so brilliant. No,
0: it's the stuff that um, every director, actor, filmmaker wants to bottle. They want to replicate and bottle. They want it. And there's something about that you mentioned of like, you might say happy accidents, but it's more of like a synergistic confluence of talent that Oof. just results in this legendary dynamic between the three of them, actually the, the uh, Susanna as well. I forget the actress's name.
1: Valeria Galina
0: uh, She is amazing. She's mm. like the unsung star of this. And in many respects, there's a similar quality. I'm not saying the dynamic is the same, but there's a quality of integrity between the three of them that, that we saw in color of money as well. In the sense that it's still, he's still his older brother and, you know, and he's teaching the crew's character something you know he's he's forced to slow down by being with him he's forced to rearrange his priorities and to think about life differently and that's what was missing from his relationship that's the thing that Susanna was kept trying to hammer him with it saying you she leaves almost she basically leaves him saying you yeah. can't do this and then she has a kind of a care for Rain Man too, you know in her own way
1: and and but it, and, and but and what she brings as well obviously right her relationship with Charlie is a, a romantic, even a sexual relationship. But even with her relationship with Raymond, she realizes that she can offer a, a, a literally a feminine touch that he yeah. has never experienced. And it's not yeah. done in an exploitative way. No, it's not done in a in a in a uh, a sexualized way. Yeah. It's- are talking it's, about the elevator scene. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, they have a short dance. She kisses him. Yeah,
0: uh, she but tells him that she's going to kiss him. She she does it in a way that's not. It's not fair to say she kisses him. That's the result. But that's the result after a lot of care. Yeah. And she recognizes it's not necessarily, you know, his thing. It's more for her than it is for him, actually. She's trying to make a connection in her, in her sensual way. I agree to an extent, yeah. Yeah. But, it, I mean, that scene does raise massive ethical alarm bells for me. Sure, And at the same time, I'm, there's another part of me thinking, why why not, you know? Well let's let's
1: bear in mind that they're in a vegas hotel and he's basically just been stood up on a date by a hooker right so i think part of it, (laughs) while it's for her it's also for him to say you know something went wrong but it's not you
0: you didn't do anything wrong yeah yeah you're beautiful basically and
1: she missed out you're not
0: missing out yeah this is a really emotional movie and i know you said magic it's hard to put your finger on it and i think one of the reasons why you it's hard to put your finger on is because what we're used to in terms of emotional language, I guess, there has been developed an emotional language in cinema where you're basically told what, when and how to feel. I mean, that being unfair, right? That's not true of many movies. It's not true. And yet it seems to be that that's the lexicon that we've developed. There's a kind of a language that certain type of music and certain, and we're programmed in a sense or primed to respond to that. And yet this movie needs none of those tricks because of the chemistry again between the characters on screen. It's it's sad almost that we have to say it's magic because that's what cinema should be. This is what artistry and storytelling should be. And we should feel what the characters are feeling. And I and I am. I'm, I'm drawn in. I am. It's not just because I, I liked this movie before. There was lots in it I did not remember at all. And... My my experience watching it now, I realised I haven't watched it since I was a teenager. The experience now is so with so much more understanding yeah. about relationships and love and family and what it, what it means. This is <laughs> this is not really. Um, I mean, teenagers can can watch this film. It's, it, you well, know, it's... yeah,
1: I remember seeing it when I was thirteen or fourteen and thinking it was brilliant then. Yeah, yeah, with, with none of that understanding or experience that you're talking about, No. And because I think. When we talk about important films, this is why I said whether you think you might or might not like this film, it deserves to be seen. Because what this film did was it put a sympathetic and human face on autism that I think barely existed in our culture at the time that it came out. Yeah, And it it opened the door for a completely different conversation about how to treat people who we just were happy to put in hospitals... And forget about, which is what happened to Raymond.
0: Yeah. And and I know for, for a fact, that's just, that's not the way it's done now.
1: Absolutely not. So because I think it was very unique and because it, it gave an insight into something that we hadn't really seen or understood before, that has a a, a, a hook, you know, in the yeah. same way that any high concept movie did. And that's why I appreciated it when it first came out. But I think on a filmmaking level, I I pulled out one scene. I'm in no way saying that this is one of the best scenes of the film. I'm just pulling this out as an example of why this film works consistently. And it's the Mm -hmm. scene where Tom Cruise knocks on... She's the teacher in Donnie Darko. He knocks on her door. And um, he pretends to be from the Nielsen TV ratings company. And he starts off trying to scam her. Saying, if you let us in... We'll watch your TV, you'll become a Nielsen family, you'll be important in shaping TV. It doesn't work. Right. But then because of the way the scene develops and, and Raymond has a freak out, they are invited in. Now, yeah, I mean he just he employs honesty then afterwards. Exactly, yeah. exactly. He says, I lied to you, okay? Yeah. It's really simple and yet incredibly difficult. It's great writing, yeah. it's great acting, yeah. And unflashy. But not detached direction. And what it does is it makes you absolutely gripped. There's nothing mind blowing going on in that scene, but you are gripped as you would be by any spy thriller or action film. And there are numerous occasions, dozens maybe, where that is the case. This is a a compendium of fantastically, not over long, but fantastically composed sketches. Right. Which does beg the question. What the hell happened to Barry Levinson?
0: You, you, you remember, so what happens is he goes in, it cuts, basically, and then suddenly she says, well, you know, we watch cartoons. Is that yeah. is that good enough for him? I really wanted it, them it, to it, sit around watching cartoons, I'll be honest. <laughs> you did. <but> it, <laughs> what happens is even better, yeah. right? And it makes the point of the whole movie for me, or one of the main points of the whole movie, not, maybe not the point, but it really makes this main point of the movie very well in that small, like you said, perfectly constructed sketch, you know, it cuts. It's like, no, they're not watching cuts. They're watching people's court. Rain Man has to watch people's court now at this time. And that's what happens. And you, you, you imagine that what, what happened during the cut was he actually freaked out and that made her <laughs> <laughs> put people's court on. Right. And, and, She's and she's got, got like, like six kids, right? <laughs> yeah, I don't know, five or six kids are there. A couple of the older ones are sat there, kind of mesmerized, just watching it. A bit stunned, maybe, that there was this freak out in between. And there's another kid, maybe two or three, just crying. Just, just <laughs> in the background. Yep, he's pissed he didn't get to watch his cartoons, right? It's, it's a little unfair, right? Because I know that you, it's unfair to say that cognitively that Rain Man's two or three. But he has the same quality of tantrums, if not much worse, right, than a two or three year old. Mm. His ability to even um, soothe himself through it has been impaired by years of being institutionalized from when he was a kid. And there was zero socializing happening uh, in that institution because he was pandered to. Yeah. And the assumption was he can't be corrected i'm doing air quotes in the same way that you would correct a child and say i'm sorry you're wrong this isn't the most important thing in the world right now sit down eat your dinner whatever it is that you have to do to put the boundaries up to help a child feel safe and what's interesting about autism it's one of those conditions that is anxiety related a lot of it's to do with managing stresses and anxieties that the person's feeling inside in their internal world and so one of the ways that Rain Man learned to do that is by having a very rigid routine with a lot of detail and structure involved in it that he's in control of. There's nothing wrong with that. It's a really important part of mm. making an environment that's helpful for somebody with his condition. But at the same time, what we learn throughout the movie is that actually he responds really well to some of the boundaries that Tom Cruise's character is putting down, right? And it's helping him be happier in the wider world.
1: Yeah, I, I want to come back to this when we get to, to the end of the film. But right. there's another film that came out um, earlier this year. It's a documentary uh, right. called Life Animated. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. I, I, I cannot recommend this film enough because what it does is it shows how far the conversation and the treatment of this condition has moved on in the last 30 years. Yeah. So that rather than putting someone in an institution, we now have assisted living which yeah. is a very, very healthy approach. It gives independence and security. But also, that film, as as incredibly emotional as it is, yeah. is about trying to understand something that, on, on a human level, that doctors don't fully understand. And the other thing is exactly what you're saying about. Life Animated is hilarious. Mm. Because when you see someone in who is trying to enter an adult's world with a child's comprehension of interaction. Mm. That absurdism, and, and the the pain that comes with it, is really funny and really moving. I want to talk about... Is it too soon to talk about Tom Cruise? But you, are you asked a
0: really important question, which is, what happened to Barry Levinson?
1: Right. So, I mean, he did a few films, including one of your favourites, which I still haven't seen, Sphere. Yeah. But the last few years, he's really made really really bad cinematic films but right. occasionally done really good tv movies yeah. Um. and between this and diner i think he was really setting himself up as a really strong capable director but i don't think yeah, right. he has a particularly unique voice
0: no i mean his sleepers and stuff like that was great and <sighs> Was he didn't it? Like
1: it was okay. I, you know, it was mm. it was a good cast. Yeah, his last, few like Rock the Casbah with Bill Murray apparently was awful. Yeah, he did one of Robin Williams. last films, which was Man of the Year, which was also yeah. awful. It it's really sad, and and it just it lends credence to that idea that there was the right people in the right place mm. at the right time. Sometimes lightning strikes.
0: Right. Yeah, and that's the the confluence I was talking about. And the interesting thing is that so whenever we're confused about well what happened to the director, we had the same thought about um, risky business as well that it was and you yeah. said something along the lines of well maybe he's only got one good film in him yeah and i don't know if that's fair when you have all these influences um to say that it's just how do you repeat those influences i think it's one of the reasons why directors like scorsese and whatever like to work continue working with the same people because it's like i want to try and replicate this magic again uh, on different projects happy accident but that again doesn't mean that these people didn't have talent they clearly no no did. no no.
1: it's just the yeah. the the sum is greater than the parts yeah perhaps, the collaboration is perhaps. is is what made it what it is yeah
0: and and then the, and then the actors i mean again tom cruise's performance i'm really curious you know, why he wasn't even considered why i mean maybe he was considered but a nomination for him would have been uh perfectly normal
1: certainly a supporting actor nomination if not a best
0: actor nomination
1: right. if if you're going to put uh you know because um, I, i'm, I'm maybe i'm right.
0: going out on a limb here and maybe it's not the fair thing to say but i definitely think yes dustin hoffman was excellent and yes valeria Golino, also super excellent i wonder if you know because tom cruise is the common element in the chemistry there but there's something about what tom cruise did like his contribution to making this great this might be again risky to say another thing out on limb i don't know like dustin hoffman just had to be consistent you know he developed the character and i'm not saying there's no talent there because to try and show emotion without showing emotion that and he does in his voice and sometimes his tone changes and it's very good very subtle um, performance so i don't want to take anything away from dustin hoffman when i say this but a lot of the emotion had to be acted out through Tom Cruise's character I think Bandit. that's it, yeah. And I think and the touching moments are because of what we're seeing him go through, in terms of relating the, the love he's feeling for his brother.
1: Yeah, I think what Dustin Hoffman does is incredibly difficult. Uh, there's no no question yeah, of that. Right, right. Um, and yeah, the control that he shows is is fantastic, but it is a performance that draws attention to itself. And I think what Tom Cruise is doing is is if you want to look at why his performance works you actually really have to pay close attention to him because what he's doing that we haven't seen him do up to this point is basically a lot less he's doing yeah. a lot less but what yeah. he's giving is doing. so much more yeah i agree
0: it's making make, make me think about the relevance of abbott and costello actually in this as well now okay because there's you know it's a straight man and a yeah, yeah, funny man, yeah. and yeah. I can't work out who's the straight man, who's the funny man between Rain Man and and Tom Cruise actually in the dynamic. But and I wouldn't want to say actually. I don't think it's fair to say. Oh, he's definitely straight man. He's not. I think it. They flip. Oh yeah, yeah, and and the and so the believability that they're brothers is just it's instant. Dustin Hoffman's character Rain Man is showing that I've always loved you. You've always been my brother. This is not in question. My connection to you is is always because my memory is so fucking perfect. I remember everything about our lives together and you don't, I don't know that that he knows that or not. is not the question. It's just, that's part of what the magic is. And I think that either the director or the actors had to have got that on some level for it to have worked.
1: Oh, for sure. And and, and it's not even a question that uh, Raymond remembers Charlie and Charlie doesn't remember Raymond because he does. He just doesn't know who he's remembering he mentions very early on uh, when they goes back to his old childhood house rain man
0: yeah he mentions it in a way that like it's an imaginary friend or something that's what right? he says yeah, yeah
1: imaginary friend and 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 uh, susanna says what happened to him and he says nothing happened i grew up well something did happen his brother was taken away the scene where <clears throat> he um he realizes that raymond is rain man man i fucking i didn't lose it but i was so close to losing it it's an amazing scene and it's a very oh, man, quiet it scene me. i was so emotional and i'm not saying that dustin hoffman doesn't do anything in that scene but the focus is tom cruise yeah right it's all him
0: and i was when relieved. he's realizing about yeah. the yeah the whole history yeah
1: and what he does is, is he has a moment of introspection and a moment of realization. And because of what we know about him, because we know so much about the journey that they've both been through in their lives up to that point. Yeah, it works. The significance works. of that moment, the significance of that realization hits you at the same time that it hits him. And mm-hmm. that is brilliant. And it's all Tom Cruise, yeah, right? Yeah. Now, what I wrote down was, first of all, I think this is the first time that we've seen Tom Cruise fully become a character and not just another Tom Cruise performance. Uh, there was yeah, almost no yeah, point in this where I was thinking... It, I found it really hard to write classics down, even though there are plenty, because yeah, I wasn't yeah. looking at it as a Tom Cruise performance.
0: I was watching Charlie Babbitt. It, it, it was, yeah. He is Charlie Babbitt. And the same thing can be said for Dustin Hoffman as well. He's written, No one else could have played this. Sure, but Dustin so, Hoffman's
1: a famous method character. Tom I Cruise understand. is a is a
0: understand. They're young movies, uh, you know? though. That, that's the point to make as well, and that's why you're making the point. But what's happening now with your point at this moment is it's undermining our original statements about Tom Cruise's career and some statements some of our guests have made, which is that you can swap out Tom Cruise in many films. This yeah. is a film where you cannot do that. I'm sorry. Absolutely not. Sorry. And I
1: think, and I still think to this day his performance in this film is undervalued. Yeah. What I found out subsequently when I was trawling through trivia is that they both did that scene in one take, first take. Amazing. And because because they had all agreed to shoot this film in chronological order, they actually went on this journey together. So by the time they come to shooting that scene, probably two or three weeks into the into the shooting, they really have just become that dynamic.
0: You know, it's, it could even just be like, we're wondering like well, what happens to these guys. It's decisions like that. Those kinds of production decisions you may not be able to make as a director, a writer, or an actor. So you're out of that kind of things out of your control that's the kind of small adjustment that creates things like the chemistry that we see on screen and i'm not entirely sure that that level of consideration goes into filmmaking now i think a lot of it has to do with maintaining budget and yeah and and certain certain visual production values and
1: getting your your shots that you want in the trailer done first
0: right all this kind of stuff that's like I don't know that that would have ne- ne- the same pressures were there in 1988.
1: I, I mean, like I said, this was a film that uh, it had a lot of people's faith. Well, it didn't have a lot of people's faith, basically. And it wasn't cheap either. It was not expected to, to go on and do anything. And actually, when it opened, it didn't do a whole lot. But word of mouth meant that it ended up doing a whole lot. It's your universe. On IMDb. So this is what I was going to say. First
0: page. Oh, sorry, man. I took a scoop. It was so amazing. It's a top 25 highest grossing R-rated movies. I didn't know this was an R-rated movie. Well, yeah,
1: there's a lot of swearing. There's a bit of sexy stuff. Oh, yeah, I
0: guess. I guess. Right. Uh, It's Rain Man's right there. Like the picture of them in suits in the casino. It's right there. I just thought how nice that, you know, we were recording Cocktail yesterday and it was Barry Brown's, Barry Brown, is that his name? Brian Brown. Brian Brown. It was his birthday yesterday. Yeah. And then logging on Time TV today, they decided randomly th- to make this list. You know,
1: The film cost uh, $25 million. Uh, Tom Cruise got $3 million again, but he also got a percentage of the gross, which I have not been able to find out what percentage that was. But the film, it didn't open strong, but because word of mouth, it actually climbed from seventh place to first place and then went worldwide and earned $354.8 million, Jesus which is a, almost as much as Top Gun.
0: It's amazing.
1: And yeah, it's still the 22nd highest grossing R-rated film in the States. And what's interesting when you look at that list is that all of the others are big budget comedies, like 22 Jump Street, The Hangover, all of that, and uh, Matrix movies and horror movies and all of that. And then in this list, you've got... Rain Man, the, you know, yeah. it's the little film that could. Yeah, I, I, think it's, it. I think it's brilliant. It's so great. <laughs> it, is. it
0: is. It's It's your numbers.
1: Some Cruise classics. There's a lot. I mean, before we get into classics, we said a little while ago that uh, we don't really see Tom Cruise smoking. He's smoking cigarettes in this.
0: Yeah, a lot. I
1: don't I think I've ever seen him smoke cigarettes
0: before. Well, I think it's an artifact of the Cruiseverse, actually. I think it's a remnant of his relationship with Brian Brown. And so you think right he yeah. picked
1: up a little bit of passive smoking right from all the smoke ah, that makes Cause sense he wasn't
0: smoking cocktail
1: so let's let's do the Cruiserverse then cuz this is easy I think. Okay, go for it. We first meet time-travelling, quantum leaping actor Tom Cruise in Endless Love, where he plays the angel of death who starts a fire and sets off a chain of events that nearly kills all of the main cast. As a result, he is sent to military academy in Taps, where he sadly dies. Then we jump to the past to see his father in The Outsiders, who has a brother in *Losing it, who also has a son. His son goes on to become an American football player in all the right moves. On his way to college, he has a dream which is risky business, which convinces him to write a story to his father, Legend, explaining why he's going to Miramar to train as a fighter pilot instead in Top Gun. After beating the Russians, he takes some r and becomes a pool husser in the colour of money. He loses the pool game, goes to New York, goes to Jamaica, learns to make cocktails, gets a woman pregnant, and then fucks off. If you wish to make a movie star from scratch, you must first invent the Cruisiverse. When we saw Brian Flanagan, he just found out that he wasn't having a baby. he's having twins. He opens up the bar up to free drinks. His uncle goes, no! Cut to black. He hightails it out of there that night. He's on the road.
0: Proving he can get spooked again. He got spooked big time.
1: When we catch up with him at the beginning of this, when he's having a Lamborghini delivered to him, he's found his get-rich scheme, basically. Uh, And he's set up this little company. We have missed about, I'd say, between a year and 18 months.
0: And he settled for an Italian woman who's got the the same hair as Elizabeth Shoe. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> she looks very different. I think if you had...
1: You said last time you had a massive crush on Elizabeth Shoe. No, I mean... I had such a crush on on Valeria Galino when I was a yeah, teenager. Yeah, forget about it. Forget her eyes and her voice, man. No, Jesus great. Christ. <laughs> so, yeah, he made it after he ran away. We jump ahead a year and he's hooked up with her. And he's combined uh, his personas but also his style from risky business and cocktail
0: yeah agreed
1: and this has allowed him to succeed in cutthroat capitalism yeah he didn't get along with his father we found out and that's because despite the reason that his father gives in his will it's because he never forgave him for dropping out of college right uh, so yeah rain man happens he finds out he has his brother and at the end of the film he loses his brother again it's very sad his brother has to get on the train, go back to his, his hospital. Now, this doesn't lead directly into our next film because we're going to take a break after this incredibly emotional part of the Tom Cruise journey to find out how he ends up in a Quantum Leap program. And we'll find out in Born on the Fourth of July.
0: Okay, cool, man. Yeah, that's a awesome uh, Cruiseiverse appraisal summary? Summary. Summary. There's quite a few other little things that I want to get Get to um, yeah, yeah. about about the movie, um, just going down some things. We've gone through our staples. Let's finish our staples, and then yeah. we'll just go through movie moments that we really like. Maybe. Oh, definitely, yeah. But to finish on some of the staples, we see we see some shirtlessness, but it's not gratuitous at all. He just got up out of bed to Bollock Rain Man for interrupting him having sex. So. And
1: a- again, as I said before, yeah. I, w- I so was not thinking about this as a Tom Cruise performance that it wasn't until the film finished that I had to write down shirtless. And so I didn't write it down at the time because no. I wasn't even paying attention to right. that sort of stuff. Yeah. However, uh, no jumping
0: off of things. Uh,
1: no. He does have a couple of fantastic flip-out scenes, though. Especially oh, yeah. in, the, in the desert uh, when he stops the car... <laughs> Yeah, it was in the boxer shorts scene yeah um but also there's a there's an a very specific element of the flip out that he does a little bit later on when he's walking around in the desert and i wrote it down as the rooster flex right he kind of okay. does this it it's not going to work visually but for your sakes yeah does this kind of mm, thing like yeah Argh. i see like putting his like, he's really like frustrated and pointing Foghorn leg horn flexing his. yeah so he's like Puffing out his chest but yeah. flexing and
0: Yeah. Uh
1: and he also He gets some.
0: Um, yeah, he gets um. Mm, I went down getting some. Mm, uh, <laughs> mm. that's, uh that's what Rainman does, mimicking. It was a the, really the funny
1: mimics. and yet really uncomfortable it scene. It was that. funny and uncomfortable for sure.
0: <laughs> um and soon after that scene, she's in the bath. When she's in the bath and she's kind of bollocking him for bollocking Rainman and saying yeah. I told you to be with him and calm him down, not yeah. not bollock him, basically. not. And she gets up and says, that's it. You know, I'm done with this. Whatever's going on here, I can't be a part of it. Yeah. And she's storming out. And as she's storming out, <laughs> uh, Charlie Babbitt is trying to get her to stop. She accuses, she says, <laughs> you're you, using right. him. And he's like, <laughs> Rayman, am I using you? Yes. <laughs> yeah. He, but then he, he goes... The you don't
1: know what you're talking about. He's yeah. answering a question from half an hour
0: ago. <laughs> yeah, that's it. He's answering a question from half an hour ago, which I wrote. Maybe he's already... Because what I love about this is the slow way that we see he's starting to gain insight about how to care for him. Yeah. And and what's the best way of being around Rain Man so they can both be happy? And also, how do you educate Rainman so that I'm happy too? He has just as much right to be comfortable around him as as Rain Man does, right? So... And already then I'm thinking, that's possible, actually, that he's answering a question from half an hour ago. Because <laughs> one of the things that we know Rayman hates, or we learn he does, is being asked questions. So what Rayman's learned is, if he just says something, the question might stop. The question starts. Because he doesn't like... It doesn't mean, I, don't, I really don't believe that the Rayman character is incapable of making choices. He makes a shit ton of choices for himself every day, all the time as is evidenced by the entire journey. That's why it's so sad Mm. that the reason why he's taken away is actually because the doctors don't understand him, in my opinion.
1: Well, I wrote down about that, and I think this is something that I couldn't grasp when I was younger. The straw that breaks the camel's back when Tom Cruise is fighting to... um, For custody. Yes. And he's very directly asked the question, you want to look after him for the rest of your life. He doesn't hesitate for a second. He says no, yes. yes. And we believe him, right? Yeah,
0: that That is enough in law at the moment. All we need to do is prove that he's a safe person.
1: So, the psychologist, or whatever he is, yes. who is actually played by Barry Levinson, by the way.
0: Oh, really? I didn't yeah. realize. I didn't realize.
1: Um, he gives Raymond two questions Do you want to stay with Charlie Rabbit? The answer is yes. Do you want to go back to Warbrook? The answer is yes. Do you want to go with Charlie Babbitt or do you want to go to Bal- Walbrook? Yes.
0: Yeah. Right. And then he starts conflating the two. So he starts saying, um, S- stay with Walbrook, go back to Charlie Babbitt and things like that. And so it, it so it's obviously distressing to him. The big problem that I have with that yeah. is that that's
1: the thing that makes them decide that he has to go back to Walbrook. Right. The choice is not a fair choice. No. We say these things like you have to make a choice why no you don't it's about desire
0: so there's a third option do you want charlie babbitt to live with you at warbrook maybe that's maybe that's what he wants right do you see what i'm saying it's not necessarily it's not a viable option so raymond may inside himself have be having fairly conscious thoughts about what he wants and what's happening yet his the fact that that's not tapped into his language centers and his inability to then communicate what he's thinking feeling compounded by the distress of being asked a question so the overstimulation by considering these two things and maybe even the frustration at having something simplified because he sees the complexity in the world and so the simplification of it of the issue for him may be infuriating
1: so that's what i'm that's what i'm saying the 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 question the choice is unfair because it's about desire you're right i want to stay with charlie and i want to go back to walbert because that's where I've had safety all my life, right? Yeah.
0: So Barry Levinson's character saying they're the same thing, he's absolutely wrong when he says the same. Not in Rayman's head, they're not. Sorry, they're not the same. The, thing. They're same. simply they not. Yeah. yeah so yeah. the so.
1: logical compromise from his point of view is to send him back to Warbrook and allow Charlie to visit him. Well, why not let him go and live with Charlie
0: with additional support that yeah, Charlie couldn't possibly own, offer him? His own Walbrook, and you know, in, exactly. And they have enough money, right? <laughs> exactly <laughs> so, i mean tom as a cruise family, alone has made right.
1: nearly half a million dollars over the course of this
0: film right? right and so as a family with their three million exactly they could totally create the environment that charlie needs
1: so yes it's very upsetting
0: yeah it is upsetting and um i think what it's what it's also saying is i i guess it's at that time it's set at that time that perhaps there was an awareness of the writers of the of the, of the filmmakers That said, yeah, we're not—we haven't got this right yet.
1: And that's the thing that I think—I'm not going to say the film helped change the dialogue on this, but I think it brought an awareness to people that there is a right to living a, in inverted commas, normal life that everyone should have, regardless of their circumstances.
0: I bet people in Vegas also liked how it opened up a dialogue about counting cards. (laughs) (laughs) Sure. so rather than go through like favorite lines,
1: because you may have some, but it's not really that kind of film for me. What I did was I highlighted four lines that I think show the development of both characters. Yeah. When, I think it's just before the, the boxer short scene, Tom Cruise is, is getting frustrated with uh, Raymond's insistence on repeating himself over and over and over again. Yeah. And he says, you hear me. I know you hear me. You don't fool me with this shit for a second.
0: Yeah, I wrote that line down as well.
1: I think that's still a lot of people's attitude to any mental illness or behavioral disorder. Agreed, yeah. Um, And in fact, one of the uh, scorecards that came back to the studio when they were screening this film was uh, someone gave it a very positive rating, but they said, I just really wanted the little guy to snap out of it.
0: Wow. (laughs) Wow, that upsets me so much. I think one of the reasons why people don't believe some of the conditions, especially the more mild versions of it, I, I think it's because a lot of normal behaviour is included in some of the abnormal behaviour. So then what happens is that people tend to think, Yeah, you're you're pretending you're doing it to get attention, it's whatever. Who you know, and in w- other ways, like, Well, who cares? Snap out of it. Stop wearing makeup, you're just doing it to get attention. Well not Man up. doing it. Yeah, or man up, or whatever behaviours people use to soothe themselves and to feel safe in the world, they're easily criticised by from a certain perspective. You can just say, Be how I want you to be. Yeah. Don't be the way that makes me uncomfortable. Be the way that makes me comfortable. And if you're being in a way that I'm not so certain about, or whatever, it must be because you're flawed in some way, you're hiding your true self, you could be a better person than this. That accusation is also... Part of a self-soothing strategy that the person who's attacking, but they're they're acting in that unpleasant way to try and create a more pleasant environment for themselves. So yeah. it's it's there's no difference between Tom Cruise flipping out and Rain Man smacking his head, saying, ah, "I want to fucking change this environment." You know, it's not nice for me. It's the the film is loaded with amazing dialogue. That yeah. I one of my notes was there is there are no favourite lines. Genuinely. And I will pick some out, but there are no favourites because it's almost as though every scene. This is all my favourite. This is all so oh, it's, excellently written. It's, it's pitch yeah. perfect. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, but one of my favourites that really made it just made me laugh. It got me was um, when he was just, when he was repeating 97 X. Yeah. Bam! The future <laughs> of rock and roll. The future of rock and roll. 97 <laughs> <laughs> X. Bam! The future of rock and roll. When he
1: first lays out all of the cards on the car bonnet and he tells him exactly what's in his hand. Again, it it took me back to um, Taps and Risky Business and that kind of goofy charm that Tom Cruise has when he just goes, you are beautiful, man. Yeah. (laughs) And that's the beginning of him realizing, well, hang on a minute. Although he is intending on using Raymond, he's found a way in. Yeah. He's he's and it's what you said, he's starting to understand exactly yeah. how capable Raymond yeah. is. And
0: I and I turn around on the sort of up until a certain point it's like he's just being an arsehole, he's being mean. Selfish at least, because, yeah. Uh, selfish and, and but he's reacting meanly as well. But then that meanness turns into a sort of an awareness that just because he's got a disability doesn't mean he has to be he can get away with this shit he can get away with making other people's lives difficult there's something interesting that goes on about what you might call normalizing or socializing or putting boundaries down to say no stop it you know you can't do that he doesn't respond badly to it which is also it's a common experience that it's like just because he he wants to hit his head and freak out when certain things happen You, you can be calmed down and he's calmed down by humans Again, the inference towards the end of the film that he can, he's not capable of forming connections with people is utterly wrong with, with his condition.
1: I'm not even going to say one of the most powerful bits in the film. Another powerful bit in yeah. the film is Tom Cruise, who starts the film as a fairly ignorant, insular person, saying to the psychologist at the end, he's capable of a lot more than you know. Yeah, if you, if you only spent time with him. The only other line that I wrote is actually a line that isn't in the film and I was really grateful that they didn't go there, is when Tom Cruise is saying goodbye on the train.
0: Yeah, and they didn't go where, though?
1: He calls him back. Yeah. I'm really glad that he came back so that Tom Charlie had the moment to say, I'll see you soon. But I think in lesser hands, that would have been, I love you, Raymond. And they said it without saying it.
0: Absolutely, yeah, one, one means good, two means bad.
1: I'm not, I do, I don't, I'm not convinced that it would have cheapened the film any if he had said, I love you, I think it would have been very powerful. It, but I think the way they went, yeah. the way they went was so much more meaningful.
0: No, it would have been, I think, it, I think it would have actually, I'll go as far as saying it would have cheapened the film. Because what it would have done, it would have been a total denial of all the learning that we're saying he had made up to this point of how to relate properly to his brother exactly and if he says I love you in that moment then what you've done is you've said the character we've just taught you for the last it's two hours I think the film is long right? just over yeah yeah mm. uh, suddenly he's not this character he's a guy who is not able to contain his feelings and to adjust himself so that he can meet his brother's needs no that's not the character he's gonna say I love you and the thing is that we know he learned that lesson when he tried to hug him I just felt like hugging you And he walks away and he he freaks out because he taught him to dance. But for Rain Man, it was, you're teaching me to dance. You're not touching me. You're teaching me to dance. And for Tom Cruise, it was a good moment for Tom Cruise. But it wasn't the same moment for Rain Man. Rain Man was having a different experience. And so for for Tom Cruise, it was, this is a hugging moment. clearly
1: And connecting, yeah.
0: Yeah. And I just want to give you a hug. But the way he walks away and says that, you know he's learning his lesson. And so then if he says, I love you at the end, it's like, dude, have you learned nothing? It's like, he's not going to hear that, but he will hear one means good, two means bad. You know, he will. Yeah. It's perfect. You know, the worst lesser hands, it would have been Rain Man saying, I love you. Jesus.
1: Oh, God. (laughs) Can you imagine? I'm not a smart man, Gen but I know what love is. Just
0: suddenly coming out of it. So maybe that's good.
1: is, is Is it all right for me to go on a rant about how much I hate Forrest Gump? now or should we we'll do it we, another time
0: but we can and we can keep doing it as much as you like actually um i don't hate it as much as you i'm aware of that um but also it might be a good time to talk about how actors that play disabled roles or disadvantaged roles end up getting oscars Ugh,
1: i don't know what, <laughs> what, what, what do do is we even to say what is to about say? it to say is I it mean, true or false
0: is it a true or false thing
1: There certainly if you crunch the numbers You are going to do very well if you put in a a really committed, in inverted commas, performance as someone with a disability, physical or mentally. Rain Man gets it right. Forrest Gump doesn't really get it right. And I Am Sam gets it horribly wrong.
0: Oh yeah, I Am Sam. I forgot about that.
1: No, but I just wanted, because you mentioned that this is dancing scene. That really hit me right in the tear ducts. And, um, it's such a simple scene and it's hard to explain quite why it hit me so hard other than there is a lot going on in that scene that is unstated, that still comes across. There's real care gone into how much to do and how much to not do to convey that. Um, and what it really comes down to is that Barry Levinson does not cheat to make you feel, Yeah. It just invests in human emotion instead. Yeah. That's the only in that investment. Yeah,
0: Just in that first scene with the telephones, I was sold. I was like, I buy what's going on here. Soon he hears that his father's dead. And the way that that whole scene goes, I'm just like, this is minutes, minutes. And yeah. I believe all of it. I yeah. believe that there's been a, a year, two years of life before we join them yeah that's amazing
1: there are other details that i think a, a, an interfering producer would say this doesn't matter get rid of it it's not important to do it or it's really important that we do this here to convey this so things like before we see uh dustin hoffman we have those candid shots of real patients in the hospital right now yeah. that could come across as exploitative it could come across as unnecessary but what it's really useful I wrote to down do it's great
0: that they use act- real disabled people opposed to having actors acting
1: absolutely and and, but what it really does is it grounds how uh, spot-on Hoffman's physicality is in the film there's a scene later on in the doctor's office when they're on the road and there's a guy sat next to Dustin Hoffman rambling about the Pony Express that was a real 89 year old guy that they came across when they found that location and Barry Levinson just loved him so much when he was given the opportunity to talk about his favorite subject the Pony Express that he literally just said sit in the scene and talk about it Ramble while we do our scene. Yeah. So that's yeah, a real great. guy, just just talking, right? Great. But then there are, there's when they're in a casino, and we're going in on Dustin Hoffman's face, and we're watching him process the six decks of cards as he's counting cards. I even watching it this time. I was fingers crossed, hoping upon hope that they were not going to start throwing numbers and images at his face to show. Oh, look, he's calculating like formally, Yeah, exactly. Oh, right. And they didn't yeah. do it. And and again, I think it's just one of those decisions that I know you like a beautiful mind, but a beautiful mind did that kind of stuff. Yeah, it's not necessary and, in this. It, it works fine. All right. Or not. But if yeah. they had, I just think it would have cheapened it so much to Agreed. do that there.
0: Agreed. It's tonally completely off to start adding graphics at that moment after all we've seen. To have graphics in that moment doesn't work. It's not yeah. that movie. It isn't, A, exactly. A Beautiful Mind is that movie because it's about something completely different, actually. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. about irreality. It's about you know, him seeing things, literally. And so it works to some degree in that.
1: I want to share one genuine happy accident with you. Okay. The phone box scene. Yeah.
0: The <laughs> Is it
1: outlived? A complete improvised scene Brilliant. because dustin hoffman did actually let one go <laughs> and they both rolled with it dustin hoffman Amazing. has subsequently said it's his favorite scene ever <laughs> yeah.
0: great but the fact that tom cruise rolled with it as well and i think he said something like do you mind that or like how, do you how can you stand that, that? how yeah. can you stand that and the thing he says like i don't mind or something he does say i don't mind
1: but it just, yeah, I like it. But, I like uh, it. He didn't say I like it. I, I mean, that whole process, though, to to have so many actors would
0: have broken character at that point. Tom You're Cruise right. completely rolls with it. Yeah, and I also think. So here I was earlier saying, um, Tom Cruise is to be credited with the chemistry, but I also think acting against Dustin Hoffman really made him up his game. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah, In a way
1: have. that we didn't see when he was up against Paul Newman, for whatever reason, he didn't have the level of maturity. I would say
0: it's unfair to say that we didn't see it. I think it still upped his game, but not. It wasn't as effective, be- yeah. and he was younger, and yeah, so it's yeah. like. But what I'm saying is that it, it's unfair to say he didn't up his game. He certainly did. Like okay, b- between films, like he, I think that acting up against Paul Newman.
1: No, the difference though is that
0: Cruz more than holds his own
1: here. I think right. Newman, Newman blows him off the screen in *Color of Money*.
0: Without a doubt, without a doubt, you yeah. can't. Paul Newman is absolutely fantastic in that yeah. movie. He just, he totally owns it, and and it's fitting for the characters too. That there's that discrepancy in the in the quality. Of, for some reason, it works. Uh, notable appearances: Bob McLean. What I missed that? Who's Bob
1: McLean? From Total Recall. Totally missed it. He was Kelso, the security guy in the uh, no. in the casino. He was sat with him at the blackjack table and then Tom Cruise gets called
0: into the security room later. Uh, the guy who tells yeah. him to take his winnings and leave uh, town. Well done. So there's another ornithology link. Yeah. So on Cocktail, we had an ornithology link that we didn't mention. I forgot already. Gina Gershon. She's of Red course. Heat. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Right. Notable appearance for me. Now, you might not think that it's notable, but she's kind of famous um actually in the states and she will come back into the cruiser i know who you're gonna say yeah bonnie hunt yes she played uh, the waitress with the toothpicks right yeah she's the one that dropped the toothpicks or had them knocked out of her hand or whatever she she re- will reappear in joe mcguire as um bridget jones's buddy or <laughs> that's, that's what she's called yeah bridget jones's buddy <laughs> what's uh, the actress's name Renée Zellweger. But, uh, that's her name yeah the she... she's loads yeah i think she's kind of famous right she had her own show for a long time the bonnie she's Hunt a, oh show, she's a, a very respected actress right yeah. thanks yeah, yeah good because i was thinking you wouldn't say she's a no one but this is fairly near the beginning of her career any other notable appearances
1: no i have a couple of famous fans of this film though okay go ahead um this was princess diana's favorite film wow not that that matters to either of us, I wouldn't have thought. Yeah, but the one that I really liked was um, Michael Caine. Um, and I, I especially like what he said because Michael Caine found out quite late in his life that he had a brother who was also in an institution. Uh, so when this film came out, Michael Caine went on the record as saying, It's amazing. Tom's performance was beautifully done, Dustin had the showy part. Wow. Yeah.
0: Interesting. So he, That's making our point for us.
1: He yeah. he actually, he says that Tom Cruise's performance in this is one of his favourites. That's really interesting.
0: That's, That's pretty it. high praise, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Another favourite moment, eating cheese balls on toothpicks together. I love oh, why, that. Yeah, why don't we do that? What, it's but, perfect. <laughs> why don't we do that? But also, how what a perfect character moment to show. It was a tiny scene. They're watching Abbott and Costello together, I think. That's what it is. And Tom Cruise is starting to eat cheese balls on toothpicks. It's like, of course he is. Of course he is. Like, Dustin Hoffman's on to something with his toothpick idea. I had a full English breakfast this morning and I ate it with toothpicks. (laughs) How do you do the egg yolks, man? Man, it took me like three hours. Do you, like, leave the toothpick in it to soak up the yolk and then you, like, suck it out?
1: I was using them like chopsticks,
0: just... That's terrible. (laughs) Also, probably one of the most disgusting sounds you've ever made. (laughs) Thank you. You're welcome. Voice of Reason. Well, okay. I'm willing to be convinced. I didn't talk about the path towards integrity. I mean, this is a switch from butthole to someone with masses of integrity and yeah, okay. feeling and you know what I mean? This is like yeah. and and perhaps a turning point, not just in our funny drokey cruisy verse, but definitely a turning point in his career. Yes. But perhaps perhaps even a turning point in the characters that we're gonna see him play as well.
1: There is a really interesting through line from Risky Business to Color of Money to Cocktail to this. And I I, I guess it's a side of his persona that I hadn't really given any thought to before. And it's why Cruise is one of the 80s poster boys. Is that so much of his character uh, in all of these films is about capitalism. It's about wearing Ray-Bans. That could just be because of the 80s, right? And being what, Alex? Being rich, being Being
0: rich—that's a staple—is
1: a real theme in these films. It is.
0: Is there a movie when Tom Cruise is really poor? Far and away. Yeah, I I guess maybe we'll see. We'll see how it continues. But you're right. I think often, very often, the characters he plays are pretty rich. He's good at being rich. Yeah, he's good. He's pretty good at being rich. So not only was I so (laughs) by the entire movie, then the credits happened yeah I'm oh like, god I'm so glad you
1: brought this up
0: when it's just the normal black credits I rarely sit and watch them now because you can always look up whatever you want to know on IMDB and it's one of my favourite things when they have extra things in the credit sequence let alone an, an extra scene I mean that I like that Yeah. but to put in the photos that Rain Man has been taking throughout yeah. the movie that is a stroke of genius that is like and I wonder and I didn't look up the trivia I was wondering if you knew Were they actually stills that Dustin Hoffman had taken? I'd be very surprised if they weren't. If they weren't, they're they're actual, like he had a real camera. Yeah. And during production, he was taking these shots and those shots were the ones that they put in. I would suspect that is very much the case. Yeah. Yeah. But also it could have easily just been a blank camera and they were, oh.
1: But again, it's the perfect note to end the film on because... On the one hand, it would be very easy to say, "Well, what am I looking at here? These are these are crappy photos." We know what they they're, are. They're we know blue. exactly what. No, they no, no. But not. No, I don't mean where they came from. I mean, uh, these are these are crap photos, right? Right. You could say that, but actually, in context, they're not. They are no, really beautiful. beautiful. <laughs> yeah,
0: they're, they're like it's. This is what Rainman's seeing. It's like this exactly. is a, a view from within him. You know, it's like it's gold,
1: and there's it's no. Gold faces in any of them it's it's details
0: yeah it's not looking at the faces the
1: one that the one that i wished was in there and it actually wasn't there was the pony express guy he took a photo of his hands i'm Mm. sure while he was talking i was waiting to see that one i really wanted to see it and it wasn't there
0: in trying to explain autism once to someone they came up with this analogy to consider that when we look at a tree in in the wind its branches are moving and its leaves are moving around and all we see is a tree moving in the wind. We're not, we're not really considering at all that there's any expression there. We're, we just think that the wind is moving. Um, to a particular mind, they may be seeing geometry, even the shape of the wind and how the tree's moving and the forces at work to bend it in certain ways. There may be a lot more that a, a certain mind might be seeing than, than we might ordinarily see. So it's infinitely more interesting, that tree in the wind but to a mind that isn't wired up to notice the complexities in faces that we might be able to notice, that we're interested by faces, the expressions that they make, the emotions that they evoke in us, um, when we see faces making different shapes, to someone that isn't wired up to see a face that way, it will be just as boring to them as a tree in the wind. That kind of analogy is useful to try and help to understand, well, if your brain's just not wired, to look for the things that we naturally look for in faces, then it would make perfect sense to say, well, I'm going to find other details more interesting. My brain, that, that same circuitry that lends us that understanding about complexity in faces is wired up to look at for complexity elsewhere. So, yeah, in a way, I'm really grateful this film exists, if only for that, let alone its fantastic artistry. Um, it made a point really well. And I think as a as a film
1: on its own merit but because of all of that stuff you said because it has a relevance beyond the period that it emerged in uh i think it's the probably the first film on this list that i could say it, it goes in the pantheon of the all-timers it yeah. has to be seen it's a film like shawshank it, you just have to see it yeah. right yeah which makes ranking it really really hard because how do you compare rain man to top gun i don't
0: know man i'm really struggling honestly can we can we introduce a joint ranking here can i was we, actually going to say allowed? i'm going
1: to ask you if i can do something that i've never done before which is right. can i rank it next time because i think i actually need to sit with
0: it for a while fair enough i'm i'm happy to do that but i'm already i'm thinking you've got top gun at the top color of money still my top I love this film too much, so I'm easily putting it at the top right now, okay? I'm really happy for you to to take your time and think about it. And yeah, fine, next time. But what I'm happy to do, if you still can't do it, I'm happy to introduce a joint. If you don't want to put it above or below Top Gun. See, I I don't want to go that way. I don't want to go that way.
1: At, At the moment, it's easily second. It's just... Why is it below Top Gun, man? Well... Because I'll watch, I could watch Top Gun five times a year. I don't think I could watch Rain Man five times a year.
0: That's not necessarily a criteria, though. I mean, it is, it is one me. that we keep repeating. Yeah, I know it is. For like, me. We keep repeating it as a as a as a consideration.
1: You know what? Forget it. I'm put. I'm putting Rain Man at
0: the <laughs> Yeah, man. I mean, it is. It, You're right. It's a, it's, a, it's. I, a, I think rewatchability. It's a masterpiece. Not, yeah, rewatchability is not as heavily weighted as quality. Like, how how good is this movie? And also has to have more weighting than rewatchability. I'm sorry.
1: Well, and for you, but yeah. Also, given my feelings on Tom Cruise's performance, if I'm rating it as a Tom Cruise film rather than just a film on its own, he's better in this. He's Uh, doing much more difficult (laughs) things in this.
0: Although, God, (laughs) McAvoy a fantastic character. Don't let anyone. Mm
1: think that I don't love Top Gun with every cell of my Dude, being. Look, I, I'm I'm pretty
0: confident that Rain Man and Top Gun are be, gonna be in your top five. So if, yeah, me too. Me too two, so yeah. Yeah.
1: Well that was the rather emotional journey across America. It was with good Babbit. We brothers. didn't cry. There was a it few was wobbly was voice. Touch moments. and go. It was touch yeah, and go, I yeah. Some,
0: so. some wobbly voice. Just man up man.
1: Man up <laughs> All, all joking aside. Thank you for coming on this journey with me, and uh, yeah. I've enjoyed our discussion, even if no one else has. Um, Thanks,
0: buddy. Me go too. And watch Life Animated; it's an absolute joyous film. Yeah, and if you haven't watched Rain Man and still don't want to after listening to this, you're an asshole. I, I was going to say something else. You're a no, a <laughs> no, and can you bleep that? You're a <laughs> don't bleep that. <laughs> 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 um, <laughs> Jesus, believe all of that. Yeah, I was going to say, go fuck yourself. You know, just like Fine. if you don't want to watch it now, then d- don't listen anymore to us because we've given a really sincere appraisal of a movie that we both love. And I don't know. I I don't know that this is really. This might not be the podcast for you if you're not interested in watching it after listening to this. If you That's, haven't already, like. You're not doing it right as well, you know? Yeah,
1: of... go go yourself in the hole. <laughs> Next time, we will be catching up with Born on the 4th of July. Your mission, should you choose to accept it, is to join us for that. Until then, uh, I don't know. You're beautiful, man. Woo! Really doesn't belong on this episode. <laughs> don't forget, you can jack reach us at The Arnithology on Twitter, The Arnithology on Facebook, and The Arnithology on at gmail.com.